praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. At every given opportunity we have and receive from the Lord is an opportunity equally to be grateful to God. It's an opportunity to give an act of worship, tender heart of worship to the Lord. And become true worshippers who acknowledges every good thing the Lord has done and will continue to do in our midst. And so may your attitude of gratitude be deep. Let it be deep. Let it be deep. For such worshippers the Lord seeks. The first end of today, from First Samuel chapter twenty-six, a scenario was presented to us about the life of David and Saul. Saul, a young anointed king, carrying out his function, and a small David, who is also anointed but has not ascended the throne yet. And a small David has begun to demonstrate some forest when it comes to the graciousness of God. And Saul became jealous of David and sought to kill him. He tried many times to kill David. So David knew that Saul was after his life. Not on one occasion, not on two occasions, but severally. David could perceive his death each time he sees Saul. He knew that Saul was after his life. He went to bed with that consciousness. He woke up every morning with that consciousness. My life is in danger. This man wants to kill me. All avenues for reconciliation have been exhausted. Saul was not taking any step to retrieve his step towards executing his intention. Even when God demonstrated severally how David was saved, from his hand, he will show that he is repenting and that he will not do David any harm. Yet, any opportunity that comes again, Saul engaged it to kill David. So if you can imagine any kind of scenario that could be created by such a person around your life, that was the condition David was. And on two occasions, God gave David opportunity to take hold of Saul and kill his enemy. This man that is threatening my life, please, I think I can waste him so that I can have my peace. With a bright future that David had. On first occasion, David spared the life of Saul. Instead of killing him, 
he cut a little piece of his garment and went up the hill and screamed, Saul, God gave me, gave you to my hands. But I did not take advantage of that. Praise the Lord. Because I did you no harm. Why do you want to kill me? And so say, hey, oh my goodness, you didn't kill me. Sorry, I'll not kill you again. The next day, Saul raised an army to keep pursuing a baby. And the second opportunity now came on this day. David and Abishai went on the, to the army by night. And there lay Saul sleeping with his encampment. All of him, all of them with the army were sleeping. And David had opportunity again to kill this man. One of his soldiers said, hey, allow me to kill this man now. God has delivered him in our hands. That's the language that any human being will communicate. God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, let me pin him to the earth with, his, with one stroke of his pen, and I will not strike him twice. But David said to Abisha, Say but. Say but. Amen. Amen. Do not destroy him, for who can put forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? This one touched me. This one touched me. I don't know about you. David was still seen in this his enemy, the anointing of God upon him. Because Saul was anointed word king. Are we together here? Say thank you, Jesus. Wave your, wave your hand and say thank you, Jesus. Listen, listen. That you can connect to the mystery of this world. There's a secret that controls the life of David here. Which we should learn as Christians. There was something that was leading this man. The natural man will say, yes, this is the best opportunity for me to kill him. Many of us Christians have that tendency too. All my enemies who are fighting me die by fire. May the Holy Ghost roast you. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we say, ah, let God judge the witches. Yes, it's true. The Bible says, do not spare the witch, right? When you begin to grow in God, there's a realm you come into. You don't pray those prayers any longer. You don't waste the energy of the spirit chasing witches and shouting, die by fire, die by fire every day. Because there's something the Holy Ghost has put in our hearts that has made us overcomers. We only dominate them. You will stay with witches and still be living your life peacefully with a conquering dimension. The Bible said Isaac lived in Gera, in the camp of the Philistines. 
the arch enemies of the Jews. And he prospered in all things. That even his enemies you know, envied him in their own land. He didn't fight them. But in their very presence, everything was going well for him. Say dominion. dominion. Say dominion. dominion. Many Christians don't want to walk into that realm. David said, the Lord has prepared a banquet for me in the same place. Where? In the presence of my enemies. If it's you and, you and I, we want to go and clear the enemies first so we can relax. But God is telling you, you don't need to waste your energy over your enemies. Just keep manifesting my glory in your life. They will watch you grow. They will watch you manifest. They will watch you manifest my glory and they have no option than to honor you. God wants, see, the Lord was telling me some time ago, he said, don't, don't wound them. Don't do anything to them. Just manifest my deity in you to the point where they will come and honor you. With their own mouth, they will say it. You are more than us. Because no matter how you pass the judgment, die by fire, they will not die. They will not die until their last judgment. When Jesus, with the word of his mouth, will send them to where they belong. Jesus will pray to the disciples. He said, Father, do not take them away from the world, but don't allow the evil one to touch them. He didn't say, take them away from the world where the evil will not touch them. No. So something inspired David here. He said, touch not anointed one. David is a man who respects the principles of God, irrespective of the human realities that is before him. He's a man of the mysteries of the kingdom. He understands that this man was anointed by God. In other words, Saul, he occupies a reasonable place in the office of God. God has anointed him. The hand of God is upon him. What David was saying, I can't be the one to kill him. The God that called the two of us into this realm knows he will handle him. If I go and take advantage of the opportunity given to me, I will even violate the same oil that is upon my life. There is a corporate grace that we carry as Christians. As God's people, that no matter how one we degenerate and become a nuisance to the system, we cannot stand as judge. We cannot stand to eliminate. The Bible says, Leave vengeance for me, for vengeance is for the Lord. But the impatient ones will say, No, vengeance is not for God alone, even myself. You must die. And when they pray, die by fire, it doesn't work out. They find other ways of eliminating you. And they say, God has done it. Amen. Amen. And they will give that as a testimony. But I love what David said here. He said, the Lord will judge you and I. And he told the soldier, I want to kill him. He said, no. Allow him. God will judge him. He will either die natural death or the Lord will take him to battle and eliminate him. With the word of his mouth, he has judged Saul. 
who was seeking his life. How did Saul die? He died in the battlefield. And even when Saul died, he wept still. He wept for his enemy. What type of attitude is this? What kind of man is this? What did he understand about God that he put up this type of attitude? And he was engaging mysteries instead of responding by his emotions and by his head. These are things that we must learn as Christians. What is your attitude like to even, not just your enemies first, your fellow brother? What is your attitude like to someone who you see out there? Your attitude has a lot to say about your personality. They say your body is your physical structure. Your attitude is your spiritual structure. So when I see you physically, I'm identify you as a male or a female, right? But by your attitude, you will tell me the kind of person you are in the spirit. David was a man who fears God and understands the ways of God and knows that when God calls a man and the man is anointed, the man becomes a partner with the Holy Spirit, which is the third person, the Holy Trinity. And so the person occupies a legal divine position. It's called a position of deity. The person is a mini-god, if you like. And so you cannot judge mini-gods. And so David understood that himself because when he was anointed, he was catapulted to that realm and he understood it by mystery. And so even as Saul was after his life, he understood that this man occupies an office that is linked to deity. And today, by his life, he has demonstrated honor, not just to Saul as a human being, but what? The anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life. By honoring that anointing, he honored the Holy Spirit. Shout a big Amen. amen. We as Christians, when we were baptized, when we believed in Christ and were baptized, we were equally anointed. We were equally catapulted into the office of the Holy Spirit. Our new birth is originated by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 12, as many who receive him, he empowers them to become what? Children of God. That empowerment is, is initiated and established by the Holy Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit that begets us in Christ. So we're not just anointed for function. We're anointed to exist on earth here and become carriers of God's glory. So even now we're carrying a better anointing. Because Paul said we're operating on a better promise in the New Testament. So we have all been called into the office of the Christos. The office of Christ. When we're born again, we became carriers of the nature of Christ, the life of Christ, and the spirit of Christ. So the Bible says whoever is joined to Christ is one and the same spirit with him. 
And Jesus is the anointed one of God par excellence. He is the highest anointed man that God ever created. And from him, all of us live our lives as God's anointed children. So by implication, we are all partakers of that same anointing. That's why the golden royal law says, love one another as I have loved you. It's a command. It's not by choice, whether you like it or not. You must love yourselves. That's the demand of that spirit upon your life. Because every child of God who is born in Christ lives from the economy of Christ. What powers your existence is Christ. What sustains your existence is Christ. Your physical structure may be human, but your spiritual structure is Christ. Paul now says, whoever is in Christ is a new creature, is a new person in God, is a new creature. All things are passed away. And I say, behold, all things have become new. Say, I'm a new creature. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Say it three times. Let me look, look at you. Mm -hmm. One. Two. Yes. I'm a new creature. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought into my life the nature of Christ, the life of Christ, the spirit of Christ. And John, trying to emphasize this more and more, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, he said, we have all received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, such that the anointing in us can even teach us, because it's a spirit. It's a spirit. This is the foundation of the Christian life. This is what makes you a Christian. These are the myths that govern your life. Christianity is not just go to church and come back home. No. This is the life. This is what makes the difference. And if this is what you are living for every day, you can never be the same human being. You cannot. And the things that, you know, others are vulnerable to, you will not be vulnerable to those things. Your life will be different. I'm anointed. I'm anointed. You know, when you were baptized, the priest, you know, applied anointing on you on two occasions. The first one is on your heart, on your chest. It's called the oil of catechumen. That's the anointing that begets you as a child of God. Having believed and you're now baptized. Baptizo, being immersed. Now, as you are being immense in the water, water is the symbolism of the spirit. So you are now immense into the spirit. As the water covered you, likewise the spirit has enveloped himself over you. That same spirit that enveloped Mary is called the overshadowing power of God. So that anointing is upon you. So when a fellow Christian who is just anointed comes under the influence of the enemy and begins to misbehave, God's expectation from you is that you love him and pray for him. But what's the case today? When a Christian is brutalized 
is a victim of circumstances. But a fellow Christian makes a mistake in the eyes of the world. Who are the ones that give the heaviest attack? Christians. Look at them. Look at them. This church, that church, they are all nephews. They are all babies in the spirit. Because the one who has grown into the anointing cannot judge a fellow Christian. You have no right to judge a fellow Christian, no matter what. Leave judgment for God. That's the law of the spirit. Hey, but Father, what are you trying to say? Can't we just correct mistakes? You yourself who is correcting mistakes, are you devoid of mistakes? Amen. Because we have sharp mouth, we want to comment on everything and pass our own views. And by so doing, we violate the law of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the life we've been called into. We may not like it, but that's what God demands of us. It takes daily denial of self, of your views, of your own values, of your own personal idiosyncrasy. You have to deny them. But I feel like correcting this person. You feel, but that's not what God is asking of you. You don't own yourself again. You are owned by a spirit. If he tells you to go, you go. You are a slave to a spirit. Christ said you were born with a price. You don't belong to yourself. Every Christian never belongs to himself or herself. You are a property of a spirit called the Holy Spirit. You have to know that and allow it to sink into your brain and help you reconfigure your head. He is called the Lord of life. He's a landlord. He lost it over you. He makes a demand of you. You must come under his government. Today, David showed that there was a spirit in control of his life. Left for him as a human being, he should have killed this man. But he said, no. I can't lay my hands on the anointed of God. Because myself, I'm also anointed of the Holy Spirit. And I know I'm under his own government. I can't be fighting the same government that sustains me. It's an understanding. Today you find Christians fighting themselves, castigating themselves, poisoning themselves, angry with each other, fighting over irrelevant things. You see division in church. You see, you see all forms of party spirits. Gradually, our Christian values have been messed around. We even value our personal identity more than the Christian identity we carry. And it shouldn't be so. It shouldn't be what? So the anointing of God upon our lives causes us a deep responsibility to be concerned about each and every one of us. If I ask you, oh, are you a Christian? You say yes. Immediately, there's an, how do I call it, a demand that we made of me by the Spirit that this is your flesh. This is your spirit. I have to honor you. I have to love you. I have to partner with you. Unfortunately, not all Christians have grown to the point where they should be matured and act accordingly. And so some are ruled by their pride. Some are ruled by their anger. Some are ruled by their jealous, the jealousy in their heart. Some are ruled by bitterness. Some are ruled by wickedness. 
and so you see them manifesting those dimensions. That does not mean you start what wishing the person, you know, death or all kinds of negativity. No. Now, one lesson we will learn as we grow in the spirit is that you come to a point where you understand that by virtue of the love of God in your soul and your heart, you are indestructible. Do you get what I just said now? I don't think you got me. Those of you outside, do you get what I just said now? What did I say? By virtue of the love of God in your heart and your soul, you are what? It's a mystery that we must all know. Christ said unto you, it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. You can't destroy love. You can't destroy love. Love is indestructible. The Bible says love conquered all things. True or false? That's the same mystery that the heavens are operating with. It took me time to really understand this, but thank God I'm getting ascendance in that area. When you were born of God, the Bible says the Holy Spirit poured the love of God into your heart. You are now a carrier of the love of God. And the Bible says where there is love, there is God. So God now resides in my heart, in my soul. I'm a carrier of divinity. I'm a carrier of him. Peter said we are partakers of the divine nature. Do you agree with that? The way you are looking at me, some of you are just looking at me somehow, somehow. What is what I'm saying? Do you believe that? Yes. People of God, do you believe that? Yes. Good. If you believe, I'll say a big amen. Let me hear. Amen. I have not seen it physically, but I know it is there. And I carry it. My confidence is in that love. And the Bible says that love cannot disappoint us. It can't fail. So as you work strong in that love, no human being can take you away. No poison can kill you. Jesus said, those who believe in me, even if they take any deadly thing. No, it's like something when we hear some of these things, it's like, hmm. Father, this thing you are saying like this, I will know it's in the Bible, but is it really, 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 really true? Is it true? Yes. Well, the offenses are not telling me that it's true. I see a lot of doubts. Hmm. But it's true. It's real. We live by it. It's true. It's true. A, a one million time true. Even if they take any deadly thing, it shall not by any means hold them. Why? They carry a content that deals with all forms of wickedness. That's why we must grow in love. We must grow in love. From one stage of love to the second stage of love to the final stage of love. There are three degrees of love. You must make it your Christian investment to grow in it. You must grow in it. Take your time and start training yourself 
to learn to operate the divine love, the Akabaic love, you must learn, you must train yourself. It doesn't just come like that. You must practice it. Practice it with passion until you notice that it's eating you up. It's getting to you. It gets into the fibers of your bones. It starts shutting down your anger. It starts shutting down your, your, all your insensitivities. All the envy and pride, it starts shutting them down. You start waxing stronger and stronger until it dominates you. You wear love as a clothing. You come to that point where you cannot be offended again. That means your body has been tamed. There's no free radicals any longer. Is it possible? You are answering me. Is it possible? It's possible. That's why the Holy Spirit is upon us to help us. The Holy Ghost knows that on your own you can't do it. So he comes with his love to dominate your life and makes you what? A piece of love. Anywhere you come into, what you rub around is love. You cannot be a soul winner without love. You cannot manifest God's glory without wearing the garment of love. Your soul must test this substance called love in Christ for you to be able to carry his glory. And when the Holy Ghost comes to your life, that's the first demand he makes of you. Now, when your enemies are fighting you, they want to kill you. Just keep waxing strong in love. Forget them. They will watch you manifest and manifest from one degree of glory to another. Don't waste your energy trying to see how you can deal with him or her. Leave them alone. Just manifest love, divine love. Refuse to take offense. That's the first stage. Second stage. Take it upon yourself to begin to pray for sinners. Pray for that your enemy. As they are engaging the weapon of wickedness, you are engaging the weapon of love and what intercession. Let's see who will win. Amen. Amen. Pray for sinners. Both those who have declared themselves as your enemies and those who are still there out there. Have passion for them. See them as your responsibility in the realm of the spirit. You know, I've asked a question here before. How many Catholics who are here now, who have been booking mass for the last 20 years, have ever booked mass praying for sinners who are out there who don't know God? All your intention is, uh, God bless me. God protect me. God bless my family, my children. God heal me. Everything is me, 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 me. When are you going to take responsibility of people out there who don't know God? So that's the second degree of love. To become what? An instrument of intercession for those who don't know God. Your enemies are part of them. They can't kill you. They can't destroy you. Somebody came for counseling and I told the person, he said, Father, I don't know why this woman, we know her very well. Father, she has killed more than seven in my family. Father, we know her. She has even said it. When we, she sees us, she will tell us, you people, I will eliminate all of you. Continue serving your God, I will serve my own God. I will kill all of you. And so they are running from pillar to post. They have visited all kinds of pastors, booked all kinds of prayers everywhere. How they will handle this woman. I told him, you lack one thing. 
I said, right now, you can't fight this woman with the kind of energy you are carrying in your heart. Because you are wishing her to die today. As long as your system is still harboring that energy, no prayer from you can affect her. Because the same substance she's operating with is not in your heart. So you are fighting the devil with the same poison that he's carrying in his mouth. How can he, how can he kill him? He said, Father, what am I to do? Hey, Father, this woman wants to kill all of us. I said, calm down first. You are already on a different frequency. Calm down first. Now, can you pray for this woman that God will bless her? I said, Father, God forbid. What you, should, what you don't do too much. Father, this woman deserves death. I said, sorry. Then leave the case. She will finish up her business. All of it will go. But the Bible says, spare not a witch. I said, go and kill her now. We've been praying that by fire since now. Father, we have had 21 days. We've been called some pastors. They came to the village. We had a crusade. I said, continue. Go and invite more. She's coolly engaging her own mystery intelligently, but you are engaging your own mystery foolishly. That's her realm. Is she making noise? No. She will tell you, you will see. And she will go back <laughs> and tie your hand and leg, shut down your business from the village. And she appear in your dream and tell you, I have not finished with you yet. Even after your 40 days fasting and all kinds of things, she will still appear in your dream and flog you. You will shout, G, 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 Jesus, and wake up and say, this woman is dead, and be shouting fire, and be burning all the incense in this world. You are operating with the wrong energy. I said, until you find peace to pray for her conversion, and pray that God will visit her with love for conversion, this woman will torment all of you. I'm talking from experience. This is how we subdue systems and subdue forces. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. They are victims of demonic oppressions. They are intoxicated with wickedness. They don't even know what they are doing. Our master and Lord on the cross, what did he do? Father! Punish them! For they know very well what they are doing. You know what he said? What did he say? I say it well. Now, if you know it, say it loud and clear. Let me hear you. Want to go? That was the the beginning of his resurrection. That was the beginning of his resurrection. They killed him, put the nails in his hand, but he prayed a prayer, not according to his feeling, but according to what the principles of the spirit. Many of you are praying from your feelings. You don't pray prayer according to your feelings. You pray according to the order in the spirit. I hope you got this last point I just made now. Uh-uh, maybe didn't get it. Jesus did not pray according to his feelings. What was his feelings like here on the cross? I can't hear you. Talk loud. Huh? Mm-mm. What was his feeling on the cross there on his body? Pain! Lacerated. Wounds everywhere. And he watched the people who messed these things on him. Who flogged him. Who nailed him. Who stretched his hands. Dislocated him. Who caused him the most unbearable pain in life. 
And still, when he was hanging there, after one of our two hours, and the peak of the pain, what came out was not a prayer born of feeling. A prayer born of what? It's only a prayer born of feeling. A prayer that was governed by the Spirit. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. You and I know very well. They knew what they were doing. But he prayed from an arrow. That was the same thing David did today. He engaged in that system. Child of God, God has revealed to us that even though we are in this world, we are not of the world. Our weapons of warfare are not what cannot. They are mighty in God to pulling down of stronghold. Engage the weapons of God. Engage the myths of the kingdom. Don't run your life based on your feelings and what you see. No matter how your enemy orchestrates your wickedness, you may talk against the person, but when you enter your prayer closes and you shut the door, Father, bless this man. Visit him with your spirit. Visit him with love. You created his own image and likeness. May something new happen to him. As you are praying that prayer, as you are releasing your heart and you really mean it, God himself will know what to do, whether to judge the person or to bring the person to repentance. It's only when we operate on this realm that we can now begin to see that we are having dual bodies, the body of the flesh and the body of the spirit. The Christian life is not the body of the flesh. The Christian life is the body of the spirit. It's called a celestial body. And that's what Paul talks about in the second reading. Child of God, operate your celestial body. You have given attention so much to this flesh. You have allowed your flesh to rule you so long. When are you going to begin to exercise your spiritual body that is inside of you? That's what is carrying the love of God in your life. That's what's sustaining the spirit of God in your life. When the Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple is not just the physical you know, carcass. It is the spiritual reality inside of us called the celestial body. On account of that, when you live from that realm, all that Jesus said in the gospel becomes what your life pursues every day. Do not judge. Do not condemn. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. That's how we live from the economy of the higher realm. Give to everyone who begs of you. Okay? You know some Christians, they say, ah, Father, these kind of people, I know they give them money. If you give them money, they will carry it and go and do juju for you. Have you heard about it? Have you heard about it? That you don't want to give the money. I can't give the person because if some people they give them the money, they will go and use it and do juju. And they're afraid, though. No, 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 no. Say, I carry love. Say it loud and clear. Say, I carry love. I carry love. Say, love conquered all things. He said, if you love those who love you, what are you gaining? Hmm? If you give to those who love you, what are you gaining? He said, even sinners do the same. Love your enemies and do good. Lend, 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 lend. You know, we are very good at lending with, uh, what they call it, with interest. The Muslims, they practice this one very well. But for us Christians, it doesn't make sense to us. We are so selfish, so attached to our things. You have something. You are giving somebody. You want to make, make money after that person. Just say, learn. Those who are fleshy will always be doing that with interest. Now, even the Muslims have, have a bank now where you go and 
you take money without interest. Can you imagine that? Too much talk. We, we they talk too much. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. You see the point? Amen. Amen. Expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. Your reward will be great. And you'll be what? Sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and to the selfish. Be merciful even as your father is what? Merciful. Be merciful to a sinner. Be merciful to the wicked. Use mercy and conquer them. Judge not and will not be judged. Condemn not. You don't condemn because you don't even have the right seat to condemn. And he said you will not be condemned. Forgive and it will be what? You will be forgiven. Then give and it shall be given unto you. Why did Jesus bring this one last? Other ones, he just said them simple, simple. But this one, he said it last and then he gave some emphasis there. Because among all this, one, this particular giving is the giving that is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. He said, give. And what? It will be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. Running over. We put upon your laps. Finally, depth of God, he said, give, and it shall be given to you. This last emphasis, is he explaining the first one or the second one? Listen, listen now, listen. Are you listening? He said, give, and it shall be given to you. So the first is give. The second is what? And it shall be given to you. Now, the emphasis now, is he explaining the number one or number two? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure? Give and it shall be given unto you. Now the emphasis, which is good measure, press down, shaking together, running over, will put upon your laps. Is he explaining section one or section two? Good. Ah? Huh? <laughs> yes, I like that. He says it's the spirit too, but the encouraging one. So God is trying to encourage you. He's trying to encourage you to give at all levels. It's an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for bringing us to this realm again to understand the much you have done for us and the much you have given to us and the expectations as a result of what your spirit is operating and doing in our lives. And even as you have communicated this truth to us today, we pray that you burn this reality in our heart, that we live and manifest love every day. Extraordinary love. The love that the world calls foolish, that this may become our day-to-day garment, that we will grow to a point where we don't take offenses. We will grow to a point where we have we see us as our responsibility and become intercessors on their behalf. And then we'll grow to where we love the kingdom to give for the sake of the kingdom. Knowing that, yes, we belong to a spiritual realm, a spiritual kingdom that is governed by Christ. And even as your word has come today, touch us by your spirit, empower us by your, by your grace that we will live every day as children of light, 
in an adulterous and wicked generation. For without you, we can do nothing. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Be thou exalted forever, both now and forever.